all things that give us nostalgic feels from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, as well as new pop culture events with a throwback twist. I'm your host, Ty Gooden. Hello, world. This is your girl, Christina. And we are back, guys. Yay! It's been a while, but we're so excited to be back with you. And this season, we are taking a thematic approach to our episode topics. But before we get into explaining all of that, please make sure you're following us on all the socials. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Nostalgia Mixpod. And you can also keep the conversation going with us with the hashtag Nostalgia Mixpod if you have reactions to what we're saying or any additional thoughts of your own. Please make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and rate our podcast. And we can also be found on Podbean. So, Christina, what were you up to during our slightly extended break? Working. Pretty much. Pretty much my life is just working all the time, it feels like. I'm tired of working. If somebody, like, you know, wants to sponsor me for six months so I don't have to work for a while, that'd be great. Anymore. Oh my god, I wish. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I it, wish there was just, be. if you could just get a deposit in your account with like what you would typically make in a year. At imagine being year, able to, great. like, right, imagine being able to just take off a whole year and yeah. have all your expenses and stuff paid for, like all your expenses, all your extras and stuff paid for, and just be able to do the things you want to do. So awesome. I, um, we've talked about me working at a movie theater. I had a group of, uh, this family come up. And the mom just looked like she was having one of those days where she was like, I just want to, like, go away and disappear from all of these kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, I know that feeling very and well. And she said something to me, and I was like, yeah, adulting sucks. I guess it was, she had, like, four or five kids with her. I don't know. I don't think all of them were hers. But, um, like, friends of her kids and stuff like that, and they were coming to see something. And it was funny. We kind of had an exchange, and I was like, adulting sucks, paying bills and all this stuff is... It's not really what I signed up for. And I pretty much told all the kids, I was like, whatever you do, don't grow up. It's a trap. Stay right where you are. It's a trap. Don't do it. Don't do it. Like, <laughs> you're going to be a child for a lot less amount of time than you were going to be an adult having to deal with all the adult BS. So just stay a child forever. Exactly. I tell my kids that, especially my oldest, all the time, because, you know, she's nine, going on 10. So she's starting to get into that mindset of, oh, you know, being an adult is be cool because I can do what I want to do and stuff. I'm uh-uh. like, kid, no, you can't. by the time you finish doing the things you have to do, yeah, no time. I know it, there's, there's very little time left. to do what you want to do. I'm like, the only time being an adult is fun is when you're on vacation. <laughs> right. But you have to be on vacation without the kids. <laughs> exactly. No, a, a vacation with kids is not really a vacation at all. I mean, no. I'm just going to be honest. And I know other parents may be like, that's mean. You know, we get judged for saying stuff like that. But I, I just don't care. Vacations are more fun without the kids. I mean, I enjoy doing things with them and stuff. But I definitely enjoy the adult-only vacations, which I'm actually going on one next week. Demetrius and I are going on vacation because we have our wedding anniversary coming up on June the 16th. Can you believe we've been married seven years? Uh, I can and cannot. I was there when you got married. It was a great day, but it's just one of those things where you're like, wait, it's been that long. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, Genesis was born, but... Yeah, I hadn't even had Adrian. Adrian. Had not. Right. Yet. And so it was just kind of like, you just, you know, got married and popped out another child and... Other. Like eight or nine years at this point, 
Joseph is this is wild. I think it's eight years because I feel like we had been friends for maybe about maybe nine because we had been friends for about a year, year and a half before I got married. That's right. Wow. That's where has the time disappeared to? It's going fast because we're because we're getting older. I and like I, I really do think as you get older, the time just seems to like go away. I can't believe like already we are halfway through the year, halfway through this month. Like that's that's insanity to me. It's going way too fast. Uh, speaking of the year being halfway over, uh, if nobody noticed, I had a birthday last week. So I'm a year older now. I don't want to talk about how old I am. I don't really like being in my 30s. Like I enjoy being as old as I am in terms of like my growth and maturity level and how mm-hmm. much I know I do not like being the age that I am like if I could have all of this like this brain like seven years ago my life would be very different <laughs> like, yeah I think that's everybody like though 25 <laughs> yeah that's everybody though I mean if you could if you knew what you knew now at you know say 22 23 years old I mean you could be you could be pretty much unstoppable but either way we wish you a happy birthday on Twitter, but happy belated birthday to all of, to all those people that are that are listening. They're they're wishing you a happy belated birthday. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what did I do? I did a lot of stuff. Uh, right after we wrapped up near the end of April, I went to Tampa to a leadership conference, um, and that was really cool. Didn't get a chance to really explore and get around Tampa that much. Like, that's mm-hmm. the sucky thing about going to a conference. Again, adulting. You're stuck in, like, meetings and stuff like that all day long. So mm-hmm. by the time you get out and, like, go get something to eat and everything, like, you're pretty much wiped for the day. But um, we did have one day to go down there and explore and everything. And that was right when Endgame came out. So we went and saw Endgame at a movie theater down there. So good. I know. It was a really, really cool movie theater, too. Like, they had this really, it had this real, like, throwback uh vaudevillian type architecture and stuff to it i had never been to a theater like that before i mean all you know of course once you got inside the theater you know everything is nice and modernized and stuff but the outside lobby and waiting area was really was really different so i was kind of digging that but um enjoyed tampa that was cool and then in may uh may is always busy around my house we had a good mother's day um Everybody hooked it up, cooked for me. Husband did a lot of cool stuff on the grill and everything. So that was awesome. Um, I live near the beach, as you guys already know. So the weekend of Memorial Day, we went out and partied at the beach. And that was really cool because they do a uh, weekly Sunday series out there called Grooving by the Bay. And so they'll bring out like local. Yeah, they bring out like local jazz. Um reggae and then they'll also bring out like cover bands and stuff and all the bands they bring out are actually really really good but they have food trucks out there and people just bring their coolers and their umbrellas and their chairs and kids get out there and play and it's just like a really good time so it's a real cool way to be able to kick off the official or i guess the unofficial start of summer nice yeah but that that's pretty much it um bunch of stuff going on at the kids school the day that we're recording this um, is Genesis' last day of school, and she's heading to the fifth grade. And then uh, my youngest, Adrian, just had a pre-K graduation, which is, uh, if you have not witnessed one of those, is a very, very cute affair. Um, in the grand scheme of things, it means absolutely nothing. 
right but, <laughs> but it's very it it's fun it's very cute to see them in their little cap and gowns and they put on a couple of skits and they were very funny because of course they have assigned lines and stuff like that but then they just pop out and say whatever they feel like saying because they're four and five years old so that's what they do mm-hmm. um but yeah that's about it kids are getting ready to go off and stay with the in-laws for a couple of weeks yes so i finally get like a mom break and next week i plan on doing absolutely nothing like once we get back from vacation i'm going to take a couple of days i have like a tv watch list that i'm going to go over i don't plan on changing out of my pajamas it's going to be awesome isn't that the best i it is changing not changing out of your pajamas is like one of life's simple pleasures as an adult it really is (laughs) It is highly underrated, like super underrated. But yeah, that was about yeah. Listen, but that was about it for me. Um, That's about all I had going on. But either way, both of us are like super excited to be back. Um, I personally think I don't know. Christina feels the same way. I think this season may be our best season to come. For so many reasons. And the first one is, if you guys follow us on Twitter, you already know that we are going to be live tweeting season two of the amazing FX series Pose. I love that show so much. It's so good. Billy Porter, every single award, all of them given to him now, please. Because that man, that man right there is just phenomenal. Breathtaking. Like every time he's on the screen, it's just, you're like mesmerized by his, he's just got one of those captivating, mesmerizing presences that you just, you can't ignore it. Like every time he's on screen, you're just drawn into him. Mm-hmm. You know, he, um, they recently did like an actor's round table for either Variety or the Hollywood Reporter. It's one of them. Hollywood Reporter. Oh yeah. Ones. <laughs> and he was talking about how like the role that he was going to be in Pose, the dance teacher and not Pray Tell. Um, and Pray Tell hadn't even been written for the show when he kind of got the guy that was over the show to like create that character. Cause, and so the dude came back to him and was like, well, if you could do like the announcer guy from like Paris is Burning, you know, mm-hmm. we'll write the role for you. And he gets this look on his face like, I can't believe you just said the word if to me. He goes, right, like, if yeah. I can do it. Like, have you met me? Um, <laughs> and Pratel was bored. And he's just, he's my favorite character. I just love him. I love all of the characters, don't get me wrong, for their own particular reasons. But like, anytime Pratel is on the screen, I am just like, yes. <laughs> Whatever he's saying, yes, I agree with The shade, shit. the shade of it all. Like, and it's, I mean, the thing about his shade is that it's just straight up honest. Like, right. some people can be shady, but then it's just like wrapped up in a bunch of lies and ridiculous stuff. But anytime he's throwing shade, like, it deserves to be thrown, and it's absolutely true. Ooh, ooh, this last episode. Be killing me. And that interview that he did, too, with the Hollywood Reporter, like, that round table, yes. I very much so enjoyed when he was talking about how so many um, straight actors are take up space from right. actors that are gay or queer or whatever. And <laughs> there was like Richard Madden and a couple of other mm-hmm. actors that were squirming in their seats because they are definitely straight and they definitely have mm-hmm. played gay characters. And he was like, oh, you know, well, thank you so much for us being graced by your straight presence. I, <laughs> I fell out. <laughs> Because everybody, I mean, there are a couple of people at the table like, yeah, but the people that had clearly played like gay characters before were squirming in their seats. And I was like, I am just, I am living for every moment of this right now. It was amazing. (laughs) And like, 
He's right. And the thing is, is that shows like Pose don't happen if you... Like, yeah, it's acting and you're pretending to play another character, but you don't get a show like Pose without characters who have had that lived experience. Like, he lived through that experience in New York and ballroom culture and stuff like that and, you know, trying to figure out what exactly was going on with the AIDS epidemic and all of that. And I'm so happy they're leaning into that this season. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, season one, they grabbed your attention with, you know, how awesome these characters are and how awesome these people are as actors. It's the one show on television that's got the most number of trans actors on it. Right. Um... Because almost every uh, every character on the show is played by a trans actor. Not all of them. Um, Billy Porter's right. not. But the, but the characters that are actually trans so are played by trans good. actors. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like every single one of them is phenomenal. Um, but you don't get a show like this without that those people having those lived experiences. Right. It just feels so real and, and so authentic. And, and even again, the like creators said, and the directors yeah. and like uh, Janet Mock is a producer and a writer on the show and stuff too. So, I mean, even behind the scenes, you're still getting a lot of people from the LGBT creative community that are writing these stories. And so you could just feel that authenticity. And that's the yeah. type of narrative that needs to be told, needs to be explored. Um we're into it, of course, you know, it's got kind of that nostalgic tie in it when you're thinking about like the music and the fashion and stuff like that that's in- involved. But mm-hmm. it's also taking away some of that rose colored lens of the time and really telling a deeper mm-hmm. story about yeah. what it was like for the LGBT community then and the struggles and stuff that they went to. And, you know, kind of how AIDS and HIV tied into that into that entire narrative. And, you know, I guess we better back up for a second um, because I know that there are some listeners that don't live in the U.S. and may not be familiar with the series. Um, so Pose is uh, made its debut last year. And so it's just now starting season two. And it's basically about ballroom culture in 1980s New York City. And so ball culture, basically they, you know, the LGBT community, you know, trans women, uh, trans men, gay, you know, gay and and, uh, lesbian people of color would come together in this one space and they get to Vogue and they get to put on high fashion and they compete um, in these different categories and they win trophies and everything like that. And so it's just this beautiful sacred space that they created for themselves in a world where they're often ostracized and put to the side and told that they don't matter. It's a space where they matter and they love and support and cheer on and uplift each other or whatever. Um, And so the main character in the show, I I suppose, I guess Blanca would be the main character. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the main character in the show, Blanca is a trans woman and she is a part of what they call a house, which is basically like a makeshift family. So it'll be a bunch of different people that live in a home together. They not only compete together, um, in the ballroom, but they also, you know, eat together and just have that family community that a lot of them didn't have because maybe they were rejected by their family because of their sexuality or whatever. Um, And so Blanca finds out that she has HIV and that just kind of galvanizes her to leave the house that she's in to form her own house and to really pay for it. The kindness that she had been shown and some of the kindness that she never received to a bunch of young up and coming, you know, people that are very talented. So she's got this one guy who was, you know, um, kicked out by his parents because he was gay, but he's this really talented dancer. And, you know, she picks up a couple of young boys from off the street. And then there's another girl that was in the same house that she was in that comes over and joins her house as well. And it's just, it's super heartfelt. 
like I said, the music is phenomenal. The fashion is phenomenal. Um, it's this window into this world that so many people really have no idea about. It's a completely different experience for us, you know, of course, because again, we are younger than these characters when a lot of these events and stuff are taking place. We were toddlers, you know, mm-hmm. during that time. Um, and so we're getting a chance to look at it from a completely different perspective. But then it also talks about a lot of serious issues. So there's the, you know, HIV and AIDS epidemic and kind of some of the misinformation and stigmas and stuff that were associated then. And they talk about how that affected the community and what it's like to bury so many people that you love and um, kind of how the characters are reacting to the right. lack of, I the guess lack the lack of, care of given yeah, the them. lack of care and the lack of awareness for people from people outside of their community in terms of AIDS and HIV. It's just there there's so many different things going on and it kind of dives a bit into sex work as well because um mm-hmm. a lot of you know a lot of trans women um could not find jobs because people wouldn't want to hire them if they didn't quote unquote look like they passed. So right. a lot of them ended up getting involved in sex work and so kind of some of the highs and lows and dangers of being involved in that world. But it's just it's a really good solid series. It's easily one of the, my favorite things I've seen in the past I don't know, probably five or six years, to be honest. Yeah, it's definitely um, one of my favorite shows. We were kind of talking before we started recording. Um, There's just been so much phenomenal television this year. It's crazy. I know Pose is going to be up there for me, even though we're on just the first episode. The first season of Pose end this year? Was that this year or did it? It ended last year. Yeah. Um, I know Pose is definitely going to be up there um, with, things that are great this year like good omens is great and i was talking about chernobyl how horrifying it is but you know also great television and pose is definitely up there with how real and authentic it Mm -hmm. feels and it just you know there's a lot of kind of like bubblegum tv that's just there to make you you know laugh or keep you entertained and you know pose is definitely entertaining but you really feel for these people and the things that they have to go through on a daily basis. You know, you were talking about the AIDS epidemic and, you know, passing as to whether or not you look feminine or womanly enough um, to pass as an actual woman. Um, I guess that's a that's terrible terminology, but you know what I mean? Um, Or just like deciding whether or not you want to transition and how much of that costs, not only, actual money versus like you know how it makes you feel um right and the different levels of transitioning too i mean Mm -hmm. you know and i think a lot of people in janet mock has talked about this before she actually did a really good super soul sunday with oprah talking about the spectrum of that so Mm -hmm. for some trans women their journey involves them going through you know surgical procedures and stuff like that but for other trans women they're fine with not having the surgical procedures right you know, and a lot of people don't really get in and understand that. And again, that's something that they kind of touch on um, in the show with one particular character. And, you know, she she goes through this this surgical procedure and stuff and she finds that people react and treat her differently. And a person that she was in a relationship with didn't want to be in a relationship with her anymore right. because she had, you know, she had had uh, gender reassignment sur- surgery or whatever. And so it's just, it, it's a lot. It's, it's so much that goes on there. So many great themes and stuff to talk about um the twitter page is phenomenal because they really Mm -hmm. back up a lot of the things that happen on the show because like this season um you know i think it's such a great idea that we're deciding to do this live tweet and join in on the live tweet because there are so many 
different educational things that are happening that we can right. also pass on to our listeners. Like last night's episode, um, which I did the live tweeting for last night and Christina and I'll be alternating each week. But last night's episode introduced ACT UP, which is a real organization um, that actually fights for and advocates for people who have been affected by the HIV and AIDS epidemic. And that organization right. was formed in New York City around this time. Um, and then they also talked about uh, Heart Island last night, which is also a real place where people who are, you know, homeless or unidentified or people who don't have family to bury them are buried in mass and sometimes unmarked graves. That, um, that, that was horrifying to watch. Like, it really like, was heartbreaking. How, like, I don't, I'm very tired of us not treating people that are different from us. Right. Like, they are not human. I said that wrong. I'm tired of people that are different from other people being treated like subhuman just because they are different. It doesn't make sense to me. Right. I understand that people do it and it's a thing that happens, but to see all of those pine boxes and the only thing identifying them is a number that was spray painted on the pine box, but like it's 50, 60 pine boxes just stacked on top of each other mm-hmm. in a hole and then buried over. It's just like... And that's the thing. That's real. What? Like, one of the like? um, producers on the show, uh, one of the or the co-creator of the show, and one of the producers on the show actually said that his brother is buried there. So, I mean, that's a real thing. And when they... um, There was one part of the episode last night. Sorry, guys. We're kind of getting into spoilers. So, hopefully you've seen it. <laughs> but in right. the episode last night, when Praytel and Blanca go out to um, visit one of Praytel's... I believe it was ex-boyfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Or one of his exes. Somebody he was in a relationship with at some point in time. But when they go out there, they were like, oh, well, you know, the bodies that come in, the people that, you know, succumb to HIV or um, AIDS-related illnesses, oh, they're buried in a separate area because we don't want to catch that. Like, and so the fact that people actually thought that they could catch AIDS or HIV from a corpse was just, it's just mind blowing. But again, there's a New York times article, um, that I read out there that kind of really goes through that whole history without us getting too deep into it. Cause that's not the scope of the podcast today. Um, but I'm going to add that in the show notes so that way you guys can read about that. Um, I think it's definitely worth every single person to be able to read that and to, just see what happened and to see how that's this, you know, again, this other dark shadow part of culture back then that just kind of went under the radar for most people, you know? And we forget that it exists because I mean, like, you know, the, this season starts in the early 1990s, which, you know, for us, we were like three, four, maybe. Um, So you, (laughs) it feels like, a little far away but then you see it and it brings it right in front of your face and you realize that like holy crap this happened holy crap this is horrifying mm-hmm. like i can't believe that we are not that far removed from that period of time if that makes sense right like it was yeah and i'm in a post facebook group too and a lot of people in that facebook fan group that i'm in they were um chatting and talking last night and there's so many people from you know different age ranges and stuff like that and to hear some of the people in the group talk about saying, Hey, I live that, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a lesbian woman. I'm, you know, I'm a trans woman. I'm a gay man. And I live that. And there were even people in the group that are um, HIV positive or, Mm -hmm. you know, or have AIDS or, you know, and stuff that were in the group actually talking about what it was like for them back then. And what it was like to bury 20 of your friends in a year. Yeah. You know, it was just, it's absolutely, I mean, just absolutely heartbreaking, you know, but another thing that happened, (laughs) Yes. We're wow. going to get lighter here in a second, but Pratel is at 
another funeral with a doctor or a nurse. I'm not entirely sure what her character is. Yeah, the nurse. Um, I think she's a doctor. Um, but uh, she's at. They're both at a funeral and they're talking about how many funerals they've been to. Mm-hmm. And Pratel says like two hundred and something, and then the other character, the nurse, is like four something, and you're just like. I can count, I've been to maybe 10, 15 funerals in my life. Mm-hmm. If that, I feel like that number is high. To go to 200 and something funerals, like 400 and something funerals, in a short span of time. We're talking like right a decade. So this is within maybe. like a few years of each other. If that. Yeah, because it's like, I mean, because season two takes place in 1990. So, I mean, this is within just like the past few years, you know? And you're just like... Why was you get angry a little bit because you're just like why wasn't something else done like this is this is a plague and it is right but again it was it was written people. off as a right. as a gay person's disease and basically you had the government and you had other um, prominent organizations that were turning a blind eye because yeah. they felt like oh well that that affects a community that we don't care about that we don't deem these people to be important. I mean, that's basically what happens when you write off an entire community of people or when you're out there spreading misinformation. And again, and you're putting stigmas on things before even taking a chance to try to understand anything, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of situations in, you know, history where you can kind of look and be like, the only reason why this happened is because people are scared. Mm-hmm. people are scared of things that are not like them or people are scared of the truth not getting of the truth getting out or people are just scared and it's sad that like people were so scared of catching this disease that they decided to bury people in unmarked graves on an right. island away from everybody or you know shun an entire community of people just because of who they loved and right. who they were attracted to and you're just like I don't know maybe it's just it's angering that's all it is yeah i mean and it's real i mean i you know i remember when i was younger um i have a family member who was uh he was gay and he um had aids and i just remember the way that even though i didn't have a full concept or understanding of you know what it meant to have aids and what all of that meant i remember the way that people treated him Mm-hmm. And the way that people talked about them. And it was almost like some, you know, like some unwritten rule or like a bad thing to hug him or to yeah. touch him or to, yeah. you know, drink out of a glass that he had drunk and drank out of and stuff like that. And so, but, but that's how people really thought, you know, I mean, yeah. it, for them, it was like, if you, if you, you know, were positive or whatever, you were supposed to be ostracized off into this corner and you were unlovable and untouchable. And people just, you know, were again, like you said, scared. They were scared that if they kissed somebody or even were in close proximity of someone that had AIDS, that yeah. they could get it, you know? And it was just, I mean, again, if, if certain organizations had been doing what they should have been doing and providing the support that they should have been, it could have, there could have been so many more lives saved. And there's always the issue of, you know, the socioeconomic issues that come into play or whatever, as far as people having access to things, as far as class, you know? So, I mean, you had a disproportionate amount of people that were dying from, you know, dying from, from this virus that just didn't have the access to the medicines that were available at the time. Mm-hmm. funding to be able to do more and... research and stuff i mean they touched on all, all of this stuff things. you know i mean but for them to be able to do that 
And then to also be able to balance it with those moments of levity when they're in the ballroom and they're having dinner together as a family and they're mm-hmm. laughing and joking and throwing shade at each other and all of that stuff. I mean, to be able to balance that, it's hard, but the show does it so well. So well. And so as you like can tell, the- we love this show. We love the show. And because of that, um, when we were thinking about coming back and kind of came up with the idea of doing the live tweet and stuff, um, Christina and I decided, we were like, why don't we honor the show, even though they're in 1990 in season two, why don't we honor the show in our own way and follow the vibes that they established in the first season and make season three of our podcast, our 80s baby season. So we are super excited about it because, you know, we were looking back at some of our old podcast episodes and trying to recalibrate and see how we want to do things differently. Um, We definitely knew that we wanted to do an entire season that had a theme. And we look back and notice that we don't really talk about the 80s a whole lot. Nope, which uh, makes <laughs> yeah i mean it makes sense because i mean we were born in the late 80s and so you know you don't really have that much personal lived experience there but i still think that it was important to have the 80s within the scope of the podcast because mm-hmm. the 80s do they have a big effect on how things were in the 90s and they have a big effect on you know on us as people or whatever because that's the decade that we were born in and so i feel right. like the decade you were born in you have a natural interest towards that you're going to gravitate towards some things there so we are really, really excited, and we're going to be talking about the decade that literally gave us life and give it a little bit more love in some of our episodes this season. Um, but today, we are actually going to be celebrating a very recent event because our podcast is turning one on June 21st. So happy birthday to us. Happy birthday to the Nostalgia Mixtape. We are still here and still kicking, guys. Um, And so we're going to talk about that a little bit later in the podcast. Just kind of what we've learned, what we've been through, things that we want to do in the future, and just kind of tie it all back up with the nostalgic thing. But of course, um, before we get there, we've got to do our nostalgia recap. And I'm going to let Christina start with hers because I don't ever want to go first. (laughs) She never wants to go first. I don't understand. I don't like, it know. Doesn't make sense. I don't yeah. like it. I feel uh, like mine are long, but this, but you've been that, beating me out the past also. couple of episodes. Mm, that's true, but yeah, yeah. my life is kind of boring these days. So yeah. Um. Anyways, so first things first. Um. A lot of mine actually has to do with movies this year, this time around. Mm-hmm. Um. Again, I work at a movie theater, so I see a lot of movies. Um. So I'm going to talk about some nostalgic things and nostalgia adjacent things that you either should or shouldn't check out. First of all, everybody needs to go see Rocket Man. Um, Ty, you haven't seen it yet, have you? It is on my list for okay. next week to go to the movies and see it. I can't wait. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Rocket Man and I cannot wait to see it again. First of all, I've always kind of been a big Elton John fan. Like I, even back in high school, I loved a lot of his music. Um, my family's musical taste is very diverse and so I kind of got Elton John's music from my mother Mm -hmm. um I remember she used to have this um Elton John live CD it was a performance he did in New York I think um and like I would play that CD out all the time um because I just loved all the songs that were on it um and then you know through life just kind of digging a little deeper into who Elton John was and everything um and so he's got a movie out now 
about his life called Rocket Man. It stars Taron Egerton as Elton John, who also does all of the Elton John singing on the soundtrack, which apparently was a thing that Elton was very adamant about as he wanted somebody to be able to sing oh. um, on the soundtrack. And I don't know if you've heard Taron sing, but he's amazing. I have amazing. not heard Taron sing, but I do like him as an actor, though. Well, so he sang in, um, do you remember that animated movie Sing that came out uh, like four or five years ago? Which character um, was he? He's the gorilla. Really? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah, so he's the gorilla. And oh, okay, enough, okay, I have heard him sing then. He does sing an Elton John song in that movie um, because he sings I'm Still Standing at the end of it. Um, spoiler alert. Yeah, so I have heard him sing that. Um, I have heard so him that, sing. Okay. So that's him. And uh, he did a phenomenal job in that and he did a phenomenal job in this. Um, it's a different take on a musical. Um, I use Bohemian Rhapsody to kind of like compare and contrast because to me Bohemian Rhapsody is not a musical it's a movie about a band so there's going to be music in it but it's not an actual musical this right. is definitely a musical in a sense of there are people that like they're having a conversation and all of a sudden they burst in a song and you're like oh okay okay this is weird <laughs> um, and another thing I had somebody mention it to me I am not all the way familiar about what Elton John's songs came out when and so the songs are out of order mm-hmm. in terms of like when they were released as singles I guess um, but the songs correspond to what is going on in the movie at the time or what's going on in Elton's life at the time um, but that so, makes sense though I mean because right. it's like a better flow you exactly. know exactly um, and so the movie starts with like Elton coming out Karen is Elton coming out and like this the, the demon bat thing that's orange and yellow and all the other stuff and um you find out that he's going to rehab like that's the opening scene is he ends up in a meeting um and he kind of tells his life story in this meeting um and so he comes back to it comes back to the meeting part every now and again but it goes through the story of him and his dad and his mom and how they didn't have a great relationship and you go through elton john uh realizing that he's well he kind of always knew he was gay but like admitting Mm -hmm. that he's gay and having a relationship with a man and then getting married to a woman that didn't last very long and surprise surprise uh, (laughs) right um the guy that plays rob stark in game of thrones richard madden yeah um he plays elton's manager slash first boyfriend slash first male lover Mm -hmm. um in the movie and he just looks charming and adorable the entire movie you start to hate him later but he is so fine movie like richard madden is just hmm. i am going to stop myself from going down a richard madden <laughs> rabbit hole because i really want to talk about richard madden and the gray streak that he's got going on in this mm, hair that i just mm, want to pet and mm-hmm. he's got this tone and his i'm going down the rabbit hole and he's got like this real <laughs> This really, really sexy, deep voice mm-hmm. that I could literally sit here and listen to him talk the phone book. And I would be happy for the rest of my life. I may have Dude's to go voice. see Rocket Man twice. You're, I'll tell you something off mic about Rocket Man, but it's a great movie. Um, it's also a movie built on friendship because, on top of the story of, you know, uh, Elton digging into excess and drugs and alcohol and addiction and stuff like that and on top of you know him having his first relationship with a male apparently it's the first movie with like a gay sex scene in it which is done very tastefully but you know if you don't like those type of things a you're weird because that's whatever but 
it's not gratuitous or anything like that. It fits within the movie. Right. Um, but um, it's a story about friendship because he meets, Elton meets his longtime writing partner, um, Bernie Taupin, in the movie. And so you kind of see Bernie coming back and forth through the movie, kind of trying to rein him in from all the life of excess and all that stuff and just kind of being there to support him through certain things. Um, and so it's really like their first meeting, they just kind of click. And you can see in that scene that, like, they're going to be best friends forever. And they're still great friends now. They say that they've never gotten into a fight in 50 years, which I can only believe because I have friends like that where I've been friends with them for a very long time. And we just kind of clicked. Me and Mm -hmm. Ty just kind of clicked. Yeah. Uh, You just get it. And you realize that, like, this makes sense. And that's it. (laughs) We haven't ever gotten into a fight. No, we haven't. That's what I'm saying. Is that we've never done that because there's really no need like you are you and i am me and right it fits and yeah, and if you're irritated i just leave you alone right like, <laughs> just come back ever, later <laughs> don't do that thing um it's like that with my best friend karina as well and to to a point where like we just kind of we met we clicked that was all she wrote and she's been my she's my person like she's my best friend forever um and so i totally got that in the movie of like just meeting somebody and immediately being like you are going to be my friend for the rest of my life. Um, so it's just a really, really, really good movie. Um, it's like a high fantasy thing. So there's, you know, him in the ridiculous outfits. And, mm-hmm. you know, you see his performance in Dodger Stadium where he's literally like he overdoses the night before the concert and gets rushed to the hospital to get his stomach pumped and then is on stage at Dodger, Dodger Stadium the next night. Oh, my gosh. Um, like nothing happened. Um, and that actually is what happened in Elton's life. He overdosed one day and was on stage the next day for the biggest concert of his life at the time. Yeesh. Um, so it's really, really, really good. The final scene almost broke me, but I had to keep it together because I was with family and I didn't want to be sobbing in the middle of the movie theater. But like, it's really good. Go see it. Really love it. And the music is fabulous. Like, it's Elton John's music. Um, so yeah. Um... A movie you need to skip is Dark Phoenix. <laughs> oh boy. Don't do it to yourself. Just don't. So I've heard. Just don't. It's similar nostalgia because everybody loves the X-Men and everybody's super excited for, you know, Fox and Marvel Disney to be a thing now so that the X-Men can be a part of the MCU. Right. I don't want to happen for like a good seven to ten years, but that's just me. Um... And, you know, this is the second time everyone was kind of hyped because it's the second time we're telling the Phoenix story. But to me, it's like, why are we telling the Phoenix story for the second time? Y'all didn't do it right the first time. Exactly. And now they're talking about a potential third time. And I'm like, let it go. No, absolutely not. Let it go. The X-Men have been around just as long as the Avengers. There are so many stories to tell. Right. Pick another one. Like, y'all clearly can't get this right. Now, the acting is pretty good because for most people in the movie, some people, Jennifer Lawrence <laughs> pretends like she doesn't want to be there anymore. And I spent, so let me back up for two seconds and then I'll come back. So I work at the movie theater and one of the things that we do occasionally is we do employee screenings of movies where employees are invited to come after the movie is, after the theater is closed to watch whatever the latest thing is. So we had an employee screening for 
in the game. We had an employee screening for Infinity War. We had an employee screening for Dark Phoenix. Um, I think we did like the Lego movie and a whole bunch of other things. So we had one for Dark Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And I figured I'm going to go see Dark Phoenix at the employee screening. So I don't have to waste my employee tickets because if it sucks, then I'm going to be really mad that I wasted one of my employee tickets on this garbage movie and I can go see something else. Oh my God, that was the best decision yeah, ever. But the fact that you were anticipating that it was going to suck <laughs> <laughs> was, it was a big, was a big flag. Like, yeah. I was nah. hoping to be pleasantly surprised, and I was yeah, not. No, I watched all. the trailers, and I was like, "I'm good, bro." Like, I, we're, I'm gonna, I'm circling back to the trailers. So, I was very happy that I was in a theater with five other people, so I could loudly proclaim WTF without <laughs> getting kicked out of the theater. Because there were just some things in here that didn't make sense. For example, if you go and watch some early trailers of Dark Phoenix, there's a moment where Jean and Magneto are standing there, and they're talking. And there's a helicopter, and the next thing you know is there's a helicopter blade flying at Magneto. Magneto, the guy that controls metal, mm. is dodging a helicopter blade. But why, why? does Magneto have to dodge a helicopter blade? He's Magneto. Right. <laughs> if he has like the brain power to realize it's coming at him and to move, he can just move it out of his way. Right. Like, like he doesn't have to move out of its way. That's a thing that he can do. No he can be like, no, stop moving. <laughs> and of course they left that in the movie. Um, Jennifer Lawrence plays Mystique. Should have never been cast as Mystique. I'm just going right. to go ahead and say that. Yeah, and she's over it. it anyway. And plus, she, she is probably did. one of the most boring people to watch on screen for me. I'm so sorry if you're a Jennifer also Lawrence that. fan. But, but I mean, I just don't enjoy her in most things. Why did you sign up to be a character who in the comics is blue? If you don't like sitting in the makeup chair for eight hours a day. Like, that's a thing. Right. That, that's a trade-off. And she, like, went on the record saying she didn't like it. So for the majority of the movie she's been in, she's just a regular-looking chick. But you're Mystique, and you're supposed to be blue and red. And so in this movie, they just said, screw it. We're not actually going to put in the time to do the makeup. And she's ashy the entire time. She's like Carolina Blue when she's supposed to be, like, darker <laughs> than Duke. Blue Devil Blue. And, like... My be- my friend Joe was standing next to me and was like, are you calling her? Did you just call her Ashy? Look at her. She looks awful. <laughs> she looks Ashy. She looks like she's been baking out in the sun too long. She looks chalky. She looks terrible. Like, even her scales look awful. The wig is terrible. And I'm just like, you just didn't want to be in this movie. Like, that's, that's frightfully apparent. That you yeah, didn't she be just here. showed up and got her check and left. I mean, I can't even say I'm mad. Just get the right. check. Just, she just got a check and she was like, you know what? Whatever. Um, Alexander Ship is storm was just god awful. Why are you making ice cubes at the party? Like the she had a couple of two a couple of cool storm scenes where she was calling lightning and stuff like that, but it looked corny because they spent all the CGI on the like the Phoenix part of the movie. Right. Um, but she's making ice cubes at a party. Hi. Or this is the worst grievance. Why is she holding an umbrella at a funeral when it's raining? Also you can see that in the trailer. All the why does Storm need an yeah, umbrella? Everything they've done with Storm so far has just been like disappointing. And then Alexandra Ship just <laughs> needs to talk less. Won't shut up. And I'll just leave. Yeah, I'll just leave. I'll just leave it there. I was trying to say it in a nice way. Just talk less, girl. Just talk. And that's all I got to say about her. Say less words. <laughs> say less. Tweet list. Just. Everything Stop less. Just keep some of those thoughts in your head, please. Because <laughs> they literally make no sense. And then you get mad because you get drugged to the ends of Twitter and say less. 
please. <laughs> and so that's so I that's will that on not that. be going to see Dark Phoenix, and uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of other people aren't going to see it either because the reviews, like I have yet to read a review that says this is the thing you should watch. Like well, even the even people, reviewers that I know that are, and I know a lot of people that work and do review movies and stuff like that mm-hmm. because I'm a writer is what I do. Um, but even a lot of people I know that are usually pretty lenient on a lot of things, even they're like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. <laughs> like it's the worst debuting X-Men movie of all time. It's just not, it's not looking good. And I literally saw somebody, I saw somebody say that it's like the best superhero movie all year. And I'm like, not in the same breath, not in the same summer when Endgame is out. There's just no way. Right. Or even cat. just, just no, just no, just skip it. Wait until it's on Netflix. Excuse me. Wait until it's on Netflix or something to watch it. Um, I didn't think it could get worse than Apocalypse because Apocalypse was trash too and was mm-hmm. like an hour and 15 minutes too long and I right. can't believe y'all made Oscar Isaacs look like Ivan Ooze because <laughs> <laughs> that's what y'all did <laughs> y'all made him look like Ivan Ooze in, in that movie um, that wasn't necessary <laughs> like, I can't believe you did that to that face um yeah, it was just Magneto's powers are cool in this movie because he's Magneto. Like in Apocalypse, he destroyed an entire concentration camp with his mind. In this movie, spoiler alert, I don't really care because the movie is garbage. He pulls like a train out of the ground, like an underground train out of the ground, mm. and then moves it around. And you're just like, but why? Okay. Because there were cars on the street that he could have used too, but he just decided he wanted to pull a train out of the ground. And I'm just like, ah, okay, that's fine. Um, oh, so I'm like, but why? I don't understand. It looked cool in the vacuum. Also, the ending fight scene on a different train was kind of cool. Everyone had this one moment of like, they were they were fighting some alien people that you didn't even really know what they were called, and you didn't get names for any of them. But uh, they were fighting this alien group, and everybody kind of had a moment in the fight where they were like, you know how Batman doesn't kill people, so the X-Men don't kill people, and all these other characters, like the superheroes don't really kill people. They try not to, right? Right. But they all had this moment where they just kind of, somebody hit them, or somebody did something to them, and they just kind of get this look like, screw it, I'm gonna kill people now. Right. <laughs> It's and like that, that dark. Cool. It's like that dark shadow comes over their face. That right, proverbial just, dark shadow. It's like now I'm in murder mode. And they're just like, "F it." They had a bunch of those towards the end of the movie, and I was like, "Okay, well, this is kind of cool, but you just wasted a lot of great talent. Like you wasted James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender." And I actually like Sophie Turner better as Dark Phoenix in this movie, even though it was garbage. Well, as Jean Grey in this movie, but. He just wasted a lot of great people and gave us a whole bunch of mediocre people and made a mediocre movie. It was written by the same dude that did the first Dark Phoenix movie, and I'm just like, oh, why that's great. Yeah. would you let him do this again? <laughs> <laughs> and I really like Sophie Turner, too. So I do, too. That kind of sucks. Like, I want to see her win. I definitely want to see her win post-Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Because she has been killing it, like, the last two seasons of Game of Thrones, she's been killing it. Mm-hmm. Um and that's the thing that I'll say about the entire cast of Game of Thrones, especially for that last season. Detracting. Although the writing sucked, everybody acted their butts off in that last season. And I really want Sophie Turner to get... I'm excited to see what people do after Game of Thrones. Her and Maisie Williams, I would love to see them in something else together. Right, because, I mean, uh, several people, like, especially them two, I mean, that was kind of like their breakout role. And so you just you just hope that they don't get 
typecast and always seen as that or whatever. Because sometimes it's hard right. to really top something when you're in something that just becomes so phenomenally big mm-hmm. that you didn't expect to be big or whatever. It's hard to move past that and kind of get to the next thing, you know? But I mean, it's possible because going back to our conversation about Richard Madden earlier, Richard Madden was in Rocket Man and he was great. Mm-hmm. He had his show um, on BBC slash Netflix, The Bodyguard, which Bodyguard I is finally awesome. watched. Yes. And was like, why did I not watch the show sooner? Oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah, Demetrius and I watched that in like one day. Like, it's just so, so good. They're supposed to be working on season two, which I cannot wait for. But like, I really want to see the Sophie Turner like thrive in another role. Uh, Maisie Williams, there's a movie I'm watching of hers on Netflix where she plays a cancer patient that's definitely going to die. And it looks really good, but I haven't finished it yet. Um, but I just really want wins for all of them. Um, Lena Headey is already working on her next movie um, with like Angela Bassett mm-hmm. and the chick that plays Nebula in the Marvel Cinematic Universe called Gunpowder Milkshake, where it's a group of women assassins. And I'm just like, sign me up, Ooh. please. Um, so yeah, they're shooting that now, I believe, and I can't wait for that. Um, so yeah, everybody's doing the thing. Um, so moving on, because here we are at 45 minutes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Batman and Robin's 30th anniversary is today? Today or yesterday? Um, which I just so happened to have seen in theaters a couple of weeks ago um, in a rare set of circumstances of a random person that came to the theater one day asking to hang out. And we did, and we went to go see Batman and Robin, and it was hilarious. Um, everybody hates that movie for some odd reason. I don't, don't hate remember. it. Yeah. I love that movie. It's I was going to say, I don't hate it, and I don't understand the hate. Like, I mean, if you just take it for what it is. It's hilarious, and it's kitschy, and it's silly, and it's ridiculous, but it's so much fun. Like, you've got Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze singing a song from whatever that old school movie about Santa and all that other fun stuff. Um, I'm terrible with Christmas movies. Um, You've got Uma Thurman as Poison Ivy, which was she not the best? Like, Yes. I wanted to be her. (laughs) I wanted her little lair with like the the monster that eats her, like with the monster plant that eats her and like the the, the grotto and all that other fun stuff. Like, I wanted that. And I mean, I get it, you know, George Clooney is a terrible, <laughs> terrible Batman. But again, I mean, if you just yes. take the movie for what it is, I don't even, I don't think it was something that was, or at least I hope it's not something that was supposed to be taken that seriously. Right. If it was, then that, fine, that, that didn't play across very well because I think it's funny. Mm-hmm. The movie's hilarious. You got bat nipples to laugh at. You got Alicia Silverstone trying to be, you know, a superhero, which was, which is fine. She was great. Um, it was just, it's just a fun movie and it's ridiculous and you gotta take it, you gotta take it with a grain of salt and just enjoy what's in front of you versus like thinking that it's the dark night. It is not the dark night. It's like night and day from the dark night. It's just a fun right. Batman movie. It's, I saw somebody say that it's like a tribute to the old school, like Adam West TV show, which the old school Batman TV show was ridiculous. <laughs> I love the I love the old school TV show. Anytime uh, it's on TV, I'm same. watching it. I mean, the pow, blam, like yes. them just the running around part. looking completely, just completely just end up to help anybody. Like I'm like, <laughs> who wants your help if you come running around a corner looking like that? I they look ridiculous, but, but it was I'm fun. So I was like, I'm here for it. it. Same. Um, but yeah, it's the third, 30th anniversary, so if you haven't seen it in a while, just 
Make it a couple drinks and watch it again. It's hilarious and just a fun ride. Uh, is it on? Is it like available to stream? No, not to my knowledge. I wonder if it's on Netflix or something like that. It might be on Amazon Prime. I feel like it's an Amazon Prime thing. Okay, or maybe Hulu. No, no, I bet we'll it is. Out. Yeah, Hulu seems to have a bunch of everything. Um, and last but not least, um, I'm gonna. The Spice Girls are on tour, which is not a line that I would think I would say in the year 2019, but the Spice Girls are on tour, and it looks like they had been kicking names and taking ass, because the costumes look great, they all look great, they sound great, they're killing it, even though it's just a foursome. It doesn't matter. Spice Girls, forever. Um, I'm happy for them. Our overseas, definitely go see them. I really just want them to come to the States. Please. I know. Please just make it happen. Because I ain't got no money to be going over there. I ain't going to even I lie. I wanted to, but the pockets are not deep enough yet. Right. Um, last but certainly not least, and probably most important, the boondocks are coming back. Yes. Nobody knows what the boondocks are. The boondocks started off as a comic strip about these two little boys, Huey and Riley. And one of them is like super deep and woke. And the other one is a hot mess. <laughs> and all the hijinks they get into. And so in 2005, there was an Adult Swim animated series called The Boondocks with the same characters. Um, the two boys were voiced by Regina King. The granddad was voiced by John Witherspoon, who we all know and love. Um, and it's basically like the hijinks that they got into. Uh, at one point, Riley was going, trying to go to the R. Kelly trial, um, which chaos ensued. Um, there was an episode where their Uncle Tom, his actual name is Uncle Tom, um, recreated an Usher music video <laughs> in the street because his wife left him. Uh, there is an Uncle Ruckus, who is a black man who thinks he's white, says he's got revitiligo, which is the opposite of what Michael Jackson had. And you just <laughs> realize he just has zero sense whatsoever oh man um you've got the lethal interjection which is like a rapper trio that i think one of them is gay but doesn't want to be gay in public and all this that is gangstalicious okay so i think gangstalicious is one and then there was another group or was he a part of the lethal interjection i don't know i just remember gangstalicious i can't remember if he was like a part of the group or what but this oh, one my, episode that they had with him just trips me out every time. And I'm like, I sh- probably should not be laughing at this because it is offensive. Well, but I'm it's like, supposed <sighs> to be satire of yeah. everything. So you're supposed to laugh at it and think it's ridiculous. Um, there's also Jen uh, Rummy and Ed Wansler, who are these two white dudes that think they're black. One of them is voiced by Samuel L. Jackson. The other one was voiced by Charlie Murphy, Rest of Soul. Um, and they like try to rob a bank and try to kidnap Oprah, but end up kidnapping Maya Angelou, and then end up kidnapping. <laughs> yes. uh, they end up kidnapping <laughs> Bill Cosby at some point, but they send Bill Cosby back because Bill Cosby talks too much. Uh, <laughs> that happens, uh, and then they just get away with it because they're both white and like Ed's hu- Ed's dad is like super rich and like owns the city that they live in, so nothing happens. Um, there was an episode where there was a Bob Ross type character that was helping Riley tag houses. It's just, just a mess. Of it, show. it is so ridiculous, but it's so good though. And I mean, Regina King, like doing the two lead boy voices or whatever, she's amazing. Uh, watching her do those voices is like 
watching whomever paint the Mona Lisa. It's so good. So, so here's the thing. Regina King is a... We've always loved Regina King. Mm-hmm. Like, the two of us have always loved Regina King. But Regina King is a much bigger star than she was in 2005. Right. So I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Whatever number she asked for, just give it, give to, it to her. Give it to her. Yeah, I mean, especially if you're looking at, like, the last probably, what, five years of her career? Right. All the awards that she's won, and she was in, uh, what was it, Seven Pounds, and she's just, right. she's done so many things and gotten so much. She's finally gotten the recognition that she should, right. that she really deserves in the past few years. So I know that price point mm-hmm. to get her on has gone up, and really, she's the only person that could do like either Oscar, one of those right? characters justice. Like, she's got an Oscar now, too, right? Like, I think that's one of the things she's got. I think so. She's won so much stuff. I can't, it's hard to even keep keep up. up. Yeah. And she's got the HBO show, because she's going to be on um, HBO's The Watchmen when it comes out. Just, just give her the money. Like, whatever number she asked for. And Regina, by the way, add another zero. Um, Just give her the money. (laughs) Right. Just do yourself a favor and give her the and money. Give her the if money. she doesn't come back as the voices of the two kids, then it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> just give her the money. Um, that might be the sound clip that I used to promote the show this week. Cause just, just give whatever number she asked for. Just she give it to her. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to earn it back for you. Just give it to her. Um, so that's all I got. That's that's my line this week is just give her the money. <laughs> okay. What do I have? Well, one of the things that I did uh, that I purposely left out while we were on break is Sister Sister just celebrated both of its anniversaries. It celebrated 25 years since its debut and then celebrated 20 years since the show ended. And so for Bustle, I got a chance to do a Sister Sister nostalgic piece and I interviewed Jackie Harry about her time playing Lisa Landry on Sister Sister. Oh, to be a fly on the wall. Oh my God. Like... The, the bit that, and that's the thing about doing interviews with people is that you get anywhere from 15 to 30 minutes of material usually, and you end up kind of having to focus on maybe one to three things that they talk about just for keeping like a focus for the piece and everything in terms of writing. But I mean, it was just so much fun. Her, her publicist was wonderful. She was just so nice and friendly and we laughed and she's just, I mean, she's just as funny and everything that you would expect her to be is exactly what she was in the interview. Like mm-hmm. easily probably top five, one of my favorite people I've gotten a chance to interview ever. So much it. fun. I love I love her so much even more now. Um, because you really get a chance to and I have interviewed people before where it's like, hmm, you know, you mm-hmm. had a different personality than what I was pegging you for, but she's exactly how I pegged her in the absolute right. best way. Um, and so it was interesting because she talked about how she didn't even really want the role at all. Mm-hmm. She had been used to playing kind of like, you know, like sexier parts and stuff like that. And she was like, I ain't trying to play nobody's mama. Like, no, you're gonna have to get at somebody else. But she was saying that once she got a chance to meet T and Tamara, they just kind of fell for each other and really fit. And you could tell the way that she talks about them and the way she talks about Tim Reed, who played the dad on the show and how tight Mm -hmm. the four of them are. Like, Mm -hmm. you could tell they really are still like a family. Like, she goes up to uh, Tia, no, not Tia, excuse me, Tamara lives in wine country. She goes up Mm -hmm. there and visits her and her kids all the time. And her and Tia have, um, they did a Christmas movie together last year. And Tim Reed was in that movie too. 
and they did a mm-hmm. Christmas movie together last year on Lifetime. And then she's doing, uh, Tia's going to be in a series on Netflix that's escaping me at the moment, but she's going to be in that series. So they not only kept that bond professionally, but they also have that personal bond too. She was like, like, I love those girls. She was like, I mean, I, you know, when they celebrated birthdays and when they've had their kids, like I've been there for them. She was like, and I'm just so happy that they're, she was like, it's so much pressure I can imagine coming up in this industry as children. She was like, mm-hmm. but they've maintained their integrity. They've maintained their sanity. She was like, and they're just good people. She was like, and I'm just so proud of them. Like, it was literally like listening to a mom mm-hmm. brag on her child. It was so sweet. Um, So she's just the best. And we'll have a link to the article in the show notes. So check that out. That was really fun. And I enjoyed that. Um, There is, since we're doing like the whole 80s baby thing this season, there is an 80s documentary series on Netflix that covers a little bit of everything. It's kind of like that 90s series that we talked about a while back. Um, So they talk about music, they talk about politics, they talk about fashion, and then they just talk about other general things in pop culture. Um, And I think I'm going to take some time and maybe watch a couple of those because I'm just kind of curious to Mm -hmm. see. Again, you know, we kind of have like some service level knowledge of things, but it will be cool to watch a documentary documentary and get like some deeper deeper knowledge on kind of what things were like you know back then right so check out that documentary and then i actually um one of my facebook friends posted that sandra bullock and john legend are producing an 80s dramedy series about her time in college a random pairing of people right like when i saw it i i thought well i thought it was one of like those fake articles (laughs) And I clicked on it and I'm like, no, this is actual real news. And it's really interesting um, for several reasons. First, Sandra Bullock went to East Carolina University, which is located in Greenville, North Carolina. So that's kind of a a mini tie for Christina and I, because both Mm -hmm. of us are from North Carolina. And my sister actually went to East Carolina. Um, She was not there in the 80s when when Sandra Bullock was there. She's only six years older than than we are. So, you know, she came some time afterwards, but Sandra was there. I don't think she graduated, but I know that she Mm -hmm. majored in drama while she was there. So it's kind of cool that she's become like this 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 big, you know, actress and everything, because, you know, a lot of other people that went to school and trained um, in that field, they went to your Harvards and your Yales and stuff like that. So it's right. So it's dope that she got like that big success out of that and that she's actually going to be making a dramedy about, you know, about ECU, you know, as we know it or whatever. So I want to know how much she's going to incorporate how much of the school's going to be incorporated in there. Like, I'm curious to see what it's going to be like. And, you know, I, John Legend, I'm not really sure what's going on there, how he's in there. I mean, if he's going to like have something to do with maybe like the, you know, the musical score and stuff, I'm assuming because he's brilliant in that sense, but it's an odd pairing, but I like both of them a lot. So I feel like it's a thing that I should be watching. Well, I will be tuning in myself. Yeah. And I mean, so far the details are like, I think it's just kind of in the works right now. So there's like Mm -hmm. no network details or anything like that out there. Um, But I guess as I found out more information, if it's on Twitter, we'll be tweeting it out and just kind of letting you know as we find out more information about it. Yep. And then my last one, I'm short today, um, is that all that is coming back on June the 15th. Yay! I really need them to not change a thing song. Kenan and Kale mentioned in the interview that they wanted to try to keep the theme song, um, but that then they didn't really confirm it. I guess maybe they couldn't at that time. So it'll be interesting to see if they've still got the theme song because I just why, why fix something that's absolutely perfect? And I think that'll be a good way to kind of tie it back to the original series too. Exactly, and the song is still dope. So right, 
just keep it waiting. Yep. And so for those who don't know, um, all that was a sketch comedy series that came on Nickelodeon, which was, you know, which is, as everybody knows, a huge network for children in some teen programming um, mm-hmm. that came on back during the 90s. So it was kind of like a kid's version of In Living Color. If you think about it in that sense. In Living Color, so that- Saturday Night Live, same vibe there yeah yeah so kind of along that same as along that same ilk but either way um it launched the careers of like several people so you had like keenan that's where he got his start at kel got his start there mm-hmm. like i mean really the big part i know they did some acting and kel was actually in theater um as a kid before then but this was like their first mm-hmm. time really being on tv and them kind of becoming prominent um nick cannon was up there amanda Bynes, um lori beth denberg just a whole lot of people that really kind of got their start and were pretty much relatively unknown before they mm-hmm. had a chance to be on that platform so they're bringing it back um keenan and kale are producing the show and they have seven new kids, just like they had seven main cast members before that are going to be on doing different sketches and stuff. Um, I've seen a couple of clips. I have not seen like a whole like screener episode or anything because I do get to screen some things in advance and this is not one of them. Um, but what I've seen, I actually really liked or whatever. Of course, you know, the humor is different and stuff, but it's also made for kids for today. Right. So, I mean, they're going to include things in their sketches that they wouldn't have included, you know, back when we were, there were, you know, people were not walking around with cell phones like frequently like they do now and, you know, social media and stuff like that. So I'm sure they'll tie all of that into the narrative. Um, Mm -hmm. But Kale is bringing back the Good Burger sketch. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. Can I take it? Can I take your order? And... He still looks the same too. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's so weird to see him back in that costume because I'm like, dude, you have you literally have not aged <laughs> at oh. all. It's crazy. He looks exactly the same. Uh, Lori Beth Denberg is going to be in the premiere. I don't know if she's going to be in multiple episodes, but I know that the premiere she's going to be in there doing the uh, loud librarian sketch. I love her, and she looks she's one good, of my favorites. and she's so funny and stuff like that. Like she hadn't missed a beat, and it's gonna be really good to see her too because I think after all that, she really kind of just stepped away from the industry. And I don't know, you know, exactly what she did or you know, and everything kind of in that between time. But I know that she really didn't continue on with her career, kind of like right. Keenan Kale and some of the other folks did. And uh, what else? I don't know if Keenan's going to appear in any of the sketches or not. Keenan mm-hmm. is just, when we were talking about this, you know, off mic before we started recording, Keenan's just so busy. Like, I'm just surprised that he's, he's even, the time. right. I'm surprised he even has time to produce or do anything on the show at all because he has an NBC series coming out this fall. He's on Saturday Night Live. He's producing this show. And I think he's going to be on, he's going to be like a guest of like some competition or not a guest, a host, excuse me, on some like competition show or something. Please tell me it's The Mass Singer because literally the best episodes. So the entire season of The Mass Singer was dope. But like the best episodes from a judge perspective was like the later episodes when he was on. Because like the judges were going back and forth and making terrible predictions about who each person was. And Keenan got on that stage and was like, that right there is Gladys Knight. And just kind (laughs) of shut up. And they were like, are you for, and everyone was like, no, that can't be Gladys Knight. It's like, let me tell you something. I know what Gladys Knight's voice sounds like. And that's Gladys Knight. Right. And you said that too. You were like, oh, that's definitely Gladys Knight. (laughs) Like, I know what her voice sounds like. That's Gladys Knight right there. And I just loved him. So, yes, bring him back to the Mass Singer, please. And thanks. 
That would be dope. And you know what? I'm actually really stoked about, even though, you know, I know it's still on Nickelodeon and everything. I'm really stoked about Kel getting a chance to be an executive producer too. Um, Mm -hmm. He's kind of stayed in that Nickelodeon role, like in that Nickelodeon world, because he was on Game Shakers, um, which is a show that he was playing uh, somebody's dad that was a rapper. And that show was on for like three or four years. It just Mm -hmm. wrapped up. Like the very last season just aired last week or something like that so it's a nice way for him to segue kind of into his next thing or whatever and i'd like to see him do more stuff like kenan's been doing kind of getting a chance to step outside of that that nickelodeon world so i feel like this will be a chance to open up some additional doors for him too right i cannot wait for all that like it's just it's i think this is the best way to do it like have the people that were on it back in the day come back and help produce it so they mm-hmm. can kind of raise up a new cast of people and show them the ways that they should go and right. uh, you know keep them in line and make sure their careers even after all that this version of all that ends like so they can come up and still have this type of longevity that Keenan and Carol right. and Mary Beth I mean and, and what better have. examples are out there I mean I know we you know we talk about how much we love them all the time but on- honestly I mean the way that they've maintained you know maintained their integrity and the way that they've been the type of comedians and stuff that they wanted to be. They didn't feel the pressure to have to, you know, go off and try to be something that's not authentic to who they are. Mm-hmm. And you've never heard about them in any kind of like, you know, weird scandals. They're not out here like, you know, saying dumb things that don't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Like they understand the art of talking less. <laughs> Exactly. They come out, they talk about the things that they're doing. They talk about the family. You know, Kel is a Christian. So, you know, he talks about the Lord and stuff like that. And then he goes on about his business. He goes to the conventions. You know, he posts goofy videos that everybody loves him for and everything. And Ken is pretty low key. I feel like he's not really a social media type person. He's not. Yeah, so Kenan, you know, he does Saturday Night Live and then he goes home and minds his business and stuff. And, you know, he's married and got the kids and all that stuff. So I I love them so much. Like, and I just, I hope it's a successful venture for them. I just hope that everything that they do ever just turns out to be a success. Yeah, I pray that prayer for them as well. Like that. I'm going to be watching. Whatever it is that they do, I'm going to be watching. Exactly. So that's all that I've got. So for today's episode, one year anniversary, I'm so excited and, and I don't want to say surprise, but a little surprise. I'm like, yeah, like we made it and that was fast and we're still here and, you know, keeping going and stuff. I feel like so many podcasts fall by the wayside pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like a landfill of like broken and abandoned podcasts out there or whatever. Absolutely. And, you know, I think because so many people go into it and they don't really know what to expect um, and it turns out to be. Way more work than people actually think that it is going to be. It turns out to be a lot more than what they bargained for. And so they usually go for it, you know, three or four months. And then they're like, "Eh, I'm done with this. Let's go do something else. So the fact that we made it a year and that we have, you know, active and engaged listeners and stuff and that our listenership is growing, um, that just makes me like, it's definitely my happy thing. It just fills me up with so much joy and i mean for everybody that's like ever listened or interacted with us on social media shared a tweet liked a tweet voted on a poll that we've had out there told anybody told anybody about us word of mouth like just thank you guys so much for subscribing for rating us and for doing all the wonderful things you do for you know any of the emails that you send or anytime that we've interacted we just you know really really appreciate your support and we just hope that we continue to get it in the future she said, yep. we share us with everybody so that our fan base can continue to grow. 
Absolutely. That. Yeah, because I feel like now we finally coming into this third season, we finally found our groove. Like yeah. season one, again, we're like, you know, we don't really know what we're doing. Is anybody actually going to listen to this? Are we going to really be able to even maintain this? You know, we started off trying to do it weekly and then we were like, eh, that's too much. Let's try to do it bi-weekly. And then trying right. to come up with topics and, you know, life getting in the way. And we've both kind of, we both have individually, you know, kind of been through our own different things, you know, personal, personal life things this year. So, you know, and then season two, we kind of tightened things up a bit, had more of a, you know, had more of a schedule, got a chance to, you know, do a little bit of live tweeting and stuff and interact with people more. So now I feel like this season is really our season to like take off and take it to the next level, you know? Mm-hmm. And that way, it's going to be a great season. Yep. So how do you feel about our journey and how it's going so far? You know, I think it's going kind of better than I anticipated. Um mm-hmm. I've had a podcasting experience before this, um, working on a friend of mine's podcast. Um, and I mean, like I said, it is a lot of work, but it's fulfilling. Um, you know, I've enjoyed doing something with you because we've been friends for a while, like we talked about a little bit earlier. Um, and so mm-hmm. it's fun to do things with people that you enjoy working with. Um, you know, you don't always necessarily get to choose who you work with at your, you know, day-to-day job that pays the bills, but to be able to choose what we want to do, choose what we want to talk about, choose who we get to work with, choose who, you know, we have on as guests, choose how we promote ourselves, and um, just kind of having the choice. It's freeing, it's fun, um, you know, it's one of the first things that I've done for myself that's not attached to anything else. so that feels yeah. good to say, hey, I've been doing a podcast for a year. Um, I've been editing a podcast for a year. Um, you know, it it just feels good. Like, you know, like you were saying a second ago, like it feels like we've just kind of gotten into our groove now. Um, we had a, a planning session earlier this week, and it's just like we are about to make, with all the experiences that we've gotten over the last year, we're about to make lives a whole lot easier for us in the future and not that it's not going to be work but we've gotten to the point where our processes and ways that we come about ideas and you know how we produce the podcast every other week we've kind of gotten to a point where it's streamlined now so now when we sit down to record we can give more to you guys as opposed to spending so much time beforehand prepping and putting things together. Um, We're planning a little bit further out in advance now. Um, Like she said, we have a theme for the entire season, which we're really excited about. But, you know, we already have the topic set up as well. So, you know, that's not something we did before. Literally, there are days where we don't come up with the topic until, like, the day of, and we're just kind of scrambling to pull things together real quick. But, like, it's not going to be like that this time. Like, we've got the entire season planned out, so we can spend the entire season planning it outside of like our nostalgia recap we can have everything set up for what we're going to talk about weeks in advance um so again it frees us up to talk to you guys and to give more to you guys and we're kind of shifting the energy from the pre-production to actually doing the podcast and so i love how much we've learned how far we've gotten um it can pretty much only go up from here at this point um i don't see it's getting worse (laughs) 
Right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that's kind of how I feel too, or whatever, especially with the pre-planning and stuff. It was just a matter of sitting down and doing yeah. it. Um, I'm, I'm, I've always been kind of a planner anyway. I kind of have to be, especially with writing and stuff. So I have to, you know, build my content calendar and keep up with all the different places that I write for and topics that I, you know, write about things that I need to cover. I have a TV calendar that I actually keep up with of things that I have to watch, things that I want to watch, things that I need to keep on my radar and stuff. And I just really had to take the time to translate that over to the podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just about stop making the excuses and just actually doing it, you know? Um, You know, yeah, I was busy, had a lot going on and stuff like that, but I finally had to just buckle down and say, you know what? I need to take and set aside X amount of time mm-hmm. this week to work on podcast stuff or whatever and make this a priority. Um, I want to make the social media part a priority and stuff. So, I mean, you know, I think we've done really good so far, but there are just so I'm always looking for the room of improvement. And there are so many things that I want to be better at this year. I just want us to be better at, you know, building that social media presence and stuff like that. I want to be able to do more things like the pose live tweet last night was so much fun and, you know, got a chance to interact with new people, gained a couple of new followers that I'm hoping will, you know, check out the podcast and kind of grow our network and stuff like that. But even the things that, that I learned were great. And, you know, I'd love to be able to host a, live tweet one day or whatever maybe we're able to pull different things from because there are so many things out there between all these streaming services that we could easily live tweet and talk about um you know and eventually being able to do a live episode Mm -hmm. um I have recorded a live podcast episode before. Um, I didn't have any podcast experience personally before we did the Nostalgia Mixtape, but I've been a guest on a lot of podcasts. Um, So I kind of understood how much work it work was going into it and everything kind of mm-hmm. from the jump. But even then it's still a completely different ball game when you actually jump into it and start doing it yourself. Um, and now I just feel like I've hit this creative stride with it. Like kind of all of the, the jitters of, you know, is this going to work or are we going to be able to survive this? Can we actually make this work? Is this a thing that actually people want to really want to listen to are kind of gone now. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like we've unleashed that, freedom to be more creative to put more into it and we're you know we're not afraid of kind of you know putting one foot halfway in just in case maybe you know now like we we can finally dive all the way in and really craft it and mold it into what we want it to be into our ultimate vision for it you know i'm so excited (laughs) yeah like so, so yeah, I mean, more engagement online, you know, more interactive events, and I definitely want to do more guests. Um, mm-hmm. And that's actually an initiative that we have in the works for this season. Um, we've got a episode that I think is going to be really awesome that's going to bring in a wonderful and alternative perspective. Um, I know you guys like to hear from us. If you didn't, you wouldn't be listening to the podcast, mm-hmm. but it's also great to bring in people who have experienced things in different ways. Um, One thing that I would really love to do this upcoming season, uh, if anybody is active in current ball culture, and you don't have to be in New York City, you know, anywhere, I would love for you to be able to come on just at the beginning of the podcast if you want to, and to talk about your experience there of anybody. And I know I know some people that either they were or they are adjacent to people who were active in ball culture during the time frame of Pose. I would also love to have someone come on and talk about that experience and stuff. Because again, these are things that we can't speak to, Um, you know, or even somebody coming on to talk about the show in general, whatever that um, is a member of the LGBTQ community, you know, Mm, I I, I would love to hear that perspective because that's a perspective that I can't speak to. I, you know, identify as a heterosexual, you know, 
woman. Right. So, and I am also a sister, a sister and a woman. So I can't speak to either one of those perspectives. I can tell you the things that I like about the show and I can look at it from like a, you know, an outside critical perspective, but I can't talk as deeply into the show as somebody who is, you know, trans as somebody who is, you know, gay as somebody who is queer would be able to approach the show, you know, Mm, that'd be nice. That'd be really dope. Yeah. Let's do that. Whoever, if you're listening to us, send us an email. Exactly. Send us an email and we would absolutely love or reach out to us on, on, you know, social media. We're on Twitter all the time. So just shoot us a DM and let us know. Um, But yeah, I think the journey's going good, but I'm just looking forward to, the future. Um, and I think one of the things about the the journey that we've been through this year is really kind of those things that we've gotten a chance to learn along the way. Um, you know, I know for us, and it's something that we really can't get fully into, but I will say this, make sure that you take the time and the money to fully protect your intellectual property. Yes, please do that. You know, because you could just run into so many issues and hurdles and stuff. And we've got, you know, something that we're, you know, dealing with now. And I'm I'm hoping and believing, I'm trusting in God that it's going to work out in our favor or whatever. But yeah, just I'll leave it at that. So take the time to fully protect your intellectual property. Um, And I also learned that there's just so, so much more, even than what I could have possibly imagined to podcasting than just hopping on a recording. I mean, you're looking at your social media management. You're looking at coming up with different topics and diving into those topics, depending on what you're talking about. You're talking about research. Um, Mm -hmm. Christina puts a lot of time into editing our podcast and stuff like that to make sure that everything's coming across clean. Um, You know, if you don't, if you have some areas that aren't great, you're either looking at, you know, do we cut those out completely or do we have to get back on and re-record those? So it is truly, mm-hmm. it's truly a, a part-time job, you know, even to do it bi-weekly and you'll be really surprised how quickly bi-weekly podcasts can sneak up on oh, yes. Like <laughs> even like in this break, which I know we're a little late for the break. Like I told her when we were having our planning session earlier this week, I was like, it's time to record already. Jesus Christ. We're the last four or five weeks mm-hmm. of spiritual. Um, and like with the editing thing, you know, she's right. Like if there's any issues, then it makes the workload go up exponentially when it's easy and everything is fine. You know, I've got a few things that I do to every episode to try to make them sound better. And there are definitely episodes we've had in the past that sound a little wonky, but you know, you do the best you can. But now I right. know more about how to fix those things. And I know more about how to make sure that the recording is as good as it possibly can. So there's less work that I have to do later. Um, and trying to cut some of those audio issues off at the pass. Like, it's just, you know, it's a job. <laughs> you learn, you get better at it the more you do it. Um, and you continue to you continue to move. Um, you make mistakes, it happens. You learn how to fix them. You keep moving. Which is what we're doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, and it's the same thing kind of from my perspective. Again, want to do better with the social media. But then also, um, I do a, a pretty hefty crux of the content building. Mm-hmm for us or whatever and then you know i'll come up with some kind of like foundational things and then christina and i will get together and converse and kind of build off of those things or whatever so it was just about doing that and coming up with those concepts and everything um you know another thing i think i've learned that was a a bit unexpected is that i didn't realize how therapeutic it would feel yeah like this is something that you know again how you were saying this is something that's not tied to anything else and it's truly your own and you feel like you know this is something that i created from scratch and i'm proud of this like but when we get a chance to get on and we're talking about 
the different topics and we're laughing and joking and diving into things, like I get a chance to truly, if you're talking about being mindful, I get a chance to truly exhibit mindfulness and be in this space. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not worried about other things. I'm not worried about what's happening two hours from now. I'm not worried about what happened yesterday. Like you just get a chance to exist in this, in this awesome bubble. And that's why I'm so glad that we, pick the topic and the overall theme of our podcast to be nostalgia or whatever, because there are so many good and positive feelings attached with that or whatever. So it's really been a therapeutic thing. There've been times where I've had, you know, really terrible days. I had an awful day yesterday, but at the end of the day, I was looking forward to being able to hop on and record with Christina today Mm -hmm. because I knew that it was going to be something that was going to uplift my spirits and make me feel good and feel validated in what I'm doing. It definitely agreed with everything you just said and tied to that like it's for me it's the thing in my life currently that brings me the most joy um which I am trying to focus on more these days is bringing more joy to my life and creating Mm -hmm. things that add to me versus take away from me and like it's weird I'll confess this I actually get really anxious before we record all the time um not like nervous not I don't really get nervous at things you know I'm sing and dance and do all those fun things so I don't really get nervous um, but I get anxious and I get to a point where I'm like ah, I really don't want to do this like it's not really what I want um, but I'm working on curbing my anxiousness because I know around mm-hmm. the corner from it is the thing that I love like when I start recording with you like none of that matters like everything else that I am anxious about whether it be you know the actual recording process or things going on in my life just kind of disappear um <laughs> Right. Uh, and no longer matters and no longer weighs on me because this thing, talking to you and doing the show and then seeing people's response to the show is a thing that makes me feel like there's a reason to breathe, for lack of better words. Like, I don't feel anxious doing it. I feel anxious beforehand. And I'm getting to the point now, actually, I did a thing this episode where, like, I was listening to, like, old 90s music and watching, like, old Britney Spears and stuff videos trying to uh-huh. get myself into the mindset of doing the show itself um and it helps a lot um but this this is a part of my joy a part of things that you know i want to do and like my authentic self wants to actually do this versus like the person that i am at work where i'm putting on my you know customer service voice for people like this is the thing that i want to do this is the right. thing that you know the two of us have kind of dug our hands in the dirt and created and you know once I'm in this space, everything is good. Like, nothing right. else matters. And it's a space where you really can be who you really are. Right. Um, you know, we have to put on so many different airs and facades and stuff like that. And you have to kind of adjust your personality. Like you said, you've got your customer service person that you have to be at work. And then, you know, you have the person that you have to be like, for me, I have a person that I have to be, you know, at school. And then, you know, you have all these different, for me personally, these different expectations that are tied with being a mom, um, and with being a wife and there, you know, are different things that are kind of on my shoulders. Mm -hmm that I have to shoulder as a mom and, you know, and as a wife and stuff like that too, is it's not easy guys. Um, so (laughs) this is the one space where I kind of just get to be me and I don't, I'm not, you know, having to be somebody's mom Mm -hmm. or, you know, or somebody's this or somebody's that like, I'm just, I'm just me. Yeah. And I can be myself and we can say things and we can, you know, flub words a little bit and, you know, we can just be, you know, kind of honest and completely upfront about the way that we feel about different things without feeling like I don't, I don't feel like if I speak my truth here that, you know, 
Christina's going to lash out me or be judgmental about right. it. And I've spoken my truth on the podcast before. And the same thing with, you know, the listeners and stuff like that, with people just being, you know, so supportive of the different things that we're doing or whatever. Like I just, I absolutely love mm-hmm. it. Um, and I, we've gotten love too from, you know, several other podcasters and everything. And it just really makes me realize that, in so many different arenas, especially because, you know, I work in like the, you know, the writing, you know, arena and stuff like that. And it can be very cliquish um, and it could be kind of cutthroat almost sometimes where everybody's kind of clamoring because they feel like there's not enough space for everyone. There's truly enough space for everyone in the podcasting world. Like I, I never I have never gotten that feeling where I feel like we, you know, we don't belong or we're not bringing something of value to that right. space. And I absolutely love that, yeah. you know. Most certainly. It's, again, it's a beautiful thing just to be doing this. Like, not everybody, not everybody gets to have a thing that brings them joy. Not everybody gets to, you know, be creative in this way. Um, So I consider it a privilege to, one, be a podcaster, two, to be a podcaster of color, because that's very important, Um, and to have a support system like the other podcasters that have been a part of you know helping us grow and all that um so i am so thankful like i'm so thankful yeah and so what else um do you really feel like you've you know i was talking about things that i feel like we've kind of learned and stuff along the way or things that i was surprised to discover has there anything been you you've been surprised to discover anything else that you learned in the past year i mean i'm just surprised that people listen to us most of the time Why do you want to, me, why do you want to listen to me ramble? I cannot stand the sound. Well, obviously I'm getting I hate the sound of my recorded voice. Now because it's I edit terrible. our show when I sit there and listen to Ty say, like in the process of editing, I will sit there and listen to Ty say the same three words because I'm trying to cut some noise out in the background. Oh my God. Those moments um, drive me nuts. <laughs> but like. I'm so, I feel so sorry for you because I hate the sound of my recorded voice. It's, I'm getting better at it at you know coming to the realization that this is my voice and it's just my voice and it's it's not gonna change um I don't feel like employing something that I know how to do when it comes to like singing and making your voice sound I don't I don't feel like doing that I'm just I'm just gonna talk out talk um so I'm getting better at the sound of my own voice but like people listen to this show and they listen to this show weekly and are like waiting for the next episode and like the way my laugh sounds and like yes i've heard several what? people <laughs> why <laughs> say that they're just they're, they're tuning in and like living for the moment that you laugh because they like your laugh it's a very distinct laugh it is a very very distinct laugh i love it um but it's just weird and i've had people tell me that i talk like i write yes. and i'm like i don't know hopefully that's a good thing because i'm like i mean if i <laughs> If I sound terrible in this podcast, then you're trying to tell me I'm a shitty writer, which I'm like, please don't do that. No, <laughs> I like to think that I'm somewhat saying. good. Don't do that. <laughs> that's not what they're saying. We we do not self deprecate here. So yeah, um, but yeah. It's just I'm getting used to my voice. Like I said, it's a wonder that people listen to these these shows. To be perfectly honest, I'm like we got people listening to the shows in other countries, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Don't you have something else to be doing with your life right now? Like. Why are you listening to me? But again, that's the same thing, though. I mean, you're worthy of being listened to. Just like what I write is worthy of being read. You're worthy of being listened to and your opinion and things like that matter to people. Exactly. It's, it's, 
fun and slightly terrifying, but also rewarding to know that there are people that listen every week and there are people that, you know, enjoy our show and are looking forward to it every week and are, you know, ready for us to laugh at something hysterically for five minutes. Um, I leave those in because those are like my favorite parts of the show is when we're just <laughs> laughing hysterically for five minutes. Um, yeah. I, anytime we start laughing at Casey and JoJo, <laughs> Not doing, doing the most today. i just the first i'm not gonna laugh the first time that we laughed at that for like a solid like two to three minutes i was just cracking up funny. because and i'm that- like we're so we're like we are so dumb and i was not expecting like i usually try to like keep some type of like composure and somewhat no. professionalism or whatever but we both lost no. it and there's no point <laughs> There's no point at all. Just let it fly. Uh, why not? Like, it's it's us and it's real. And that clip literally does make us cackle every time we think about it. We're not doing that again today, obviously. But it's just fun <laughs> to sit there and laugh. Like, realistically, though, like, how often do you have those, like, completely breaking you as a person type laugh where it's just so hilarious that you can't breathe you can't say words you can't like you know stop yourself from laughing so hard because the thing is utterly ridiculous like those moments don't happen that often and I feel like everybody deserves to have them and at this point if you're not also cackling with us about the Casey and Jojo thing then you're just dead inside and need to go see Carrie but like I leave those in because like everybody deserves those moments like just laughing hysterically at something because you can't really feel anything else but how hilarious the thing is um i leave them in i also leave in the clips of you dropping things or me dropping my mic i leave those in because they're like they may be jarring but they're funny like those are things that you remember i am remember. always dropping stuff it's my food i mean because i i've always got some kind mm-hmm. of food or something like that and so i have knocked over a cup of water and got it on my keyboard one time so i i'm pretty sure you, maybe you can hear me shaking my keyboard in the back trying to get water mm-hmm. out of it i have knocked over chips i have knocked over my microphone I've done that quite a few times uh, something from the top of my desk fell one time and i don't i don't know but i'm like i've just so now i've gotten to the point where i've like shoved everything mm-hmm. back and moved my microphone mm-hmm. forward because i'm like i am not going to drop anything else because if i do then i'm going to be like oh 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 and then christina's going to leave it in with me sounding like a complete idiot and make it unnecessary. I, mean, I leave it and make it unnecessary noise. For the most part, I try to edit it out sometimes, but a lot of times I leave my dogs barking in because I'm just like, I, they howl at emergency service vehicles. We live. Your dogs are the third and fourth, right. like semi-silent members of they, this podcast. There's a fire station, like a firehouse, maybe less than a mile from our house. Plus, we live live next to part of a major highway. Um, so there's emergency service vehicles everywhere all the time. There's just not really anything I can do about it outside of leaving my house to go record somewhere else. And I'm just not doing that. So. Yeah. Every now and then my kids pop up in the background. Not too right. often though. And that's usually because, yeah, but that's usually because we record like today is feels a little weird because we're actually recording in the afternoon, but usually we end up recording because of our schedules. It's usually nine thirty or 10 o'clock at night before we record. Mm-hmm. Um, so Again, if we're if we're a little wonky on some episodes, that's probably why. Mm-hmm. Um, there was one episode that we did, and I'm pretty sure both of us were slightly inebriated. Oh, that's a more than more a than shows. slightly in it. Yeah, more than slightly inebriated. And I listen back now, and I'm like, we sound tipsy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> 
is that? But those are like the best episodes because again, I mean, you like let your you let your guard down and you're just laughing and everything. Um, I think my favorite episode, and it's probably yours too. Maybe, maybe Fresh Prince. It's up there. It's up there. I I love the Fresh Prince episode that we did. It was great to have my sister on. Um. Her and I just, we're, we're very, very close. Mm-hmm. Um, we live in different states. We don't get a chance to see each other a right. lot. She's really busy. So we don't even get a chance to talk on the phone as much as we want to. Um, and she had never done anything remotely podcasting related. Like she's the complete opposite of me where I'm like into like, you know, listening to podcasts and listening to audio dramas and, you know, geek nerdy type things and stuff. Like she's totally opposite of me with that. So for her to kind of take a, for us to have like that one thing that kind of connects us and for her to kind of take a step into our world was super cool. Yeah. The episode with your sister was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, the Fresh Prince episode and the Janet Jackson episode are definitely like top one and two. Yes. Um, I also really love, I think that's, I think that episode is just good yeah. as far as like, I mean, if you're talking about an episode where we're really like displaying a lot of knowledge and, you know, really diving deep into some things that you don't hear people often talk about when they talk about Janet Jackson. I mean, I think we really just did a great mm-hmm. job. And that was one that we really didn't plan. But it's just when you're when you have a love for somebody mm-hmm. like that, the way that we love and Janet or whatever, it just flows so like both of us. Right. It was so like super effortless, you know, for us to be able to talk and pull those references and stuff out. Like you barely even had to prep for yeah, that. Because I can you know? literally talk about Janet Jackson all day. Like I I could like I could spend the entire day listening to her music and talking about how awesome she is because she is she's queen she's a blueprint like she just is like she just is amazing um and will smith also is somebody i could talk on and on about his instagram page is still dope his family his yeah. whole family is dope he's they're like our patron saints dope. like and i love that we have patron saints of the I'll podcast it's like kenan kale will janet and i miss yes. elliot they're like our five <laughs> Those are the people that we love and like talk about the most. Like if we don't talk about them in one episode, then there's something very wrong. Um, but is that? Yeah. Um, I also love the alternative universes episode where we kind of hypothesize what world we would love to live in. Um, that was a lot of fun. That was one of my inspired moments where I was like at work doing something else and not really paying attention to what I was doing. I was like, oh, this would be a great idea. Um, I loved that episode because um, who wouldn't love to live in Angel Grove? Like, why can't I fight the putties myself? Um, right. Also, uh, why does Zach Morris have friends was fun because you don't really. We laughed a lot in that one because really this is so it, ridiculous. Zach Morris is a trash individual <laughs> and nobody should be his friend. We love Mark Paul Gosler. Love him to death. He's got some great stuff out now. Like his. The show The Passage I heard was really good and Pitch I wasn't really into baseball uh, but whatever. Uh, he's still working. Well they canceled The Passage. Yeah I wasn't gonna go there but yeah. Mm. Um, dude's out here working and most of the cast of Saved by the Bell is still out here working but just Zach Morris is trash and you need to reconcile that. Like a lot of actually some of, some of our idols back then were trash but we're not gonna go there today so those two are episodes that definitely stick out to me that was just like man this was this was us in the pocket <laughs> yeah i like the one gotta go too that was definitely fun uh, that's fun to do or whatever like one gotta go is just a fun game anyway but i mean especially if you take it and it, it can get a little because it can be hard like especially when you're trying to like eliminate like 
for great divas mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like that was that one was hard to do, but it was a lot of fun to kind of discuss our picks and why. And sometimes we were together, and then other times we had completely different, mm-hmm. you know, opinions and stuff. So that one was really fun. Yeah, because there's and one gotta go. There's always typically like one definite that like everybody can kind of agree on. There's the moments where like you disagree for different reasons and then there are times it's, where there's just like yeah there's no obvious choice so you have to make the hard decision and those are the fun ones because they get right. the easiest <laughs> those are the ones where i'm like i'll go you know right like let all these people let, let all these people stay and i'll just I'll, leave i'll go somewhere that's fine i'll go find my own private island i'll just hang out there but everybody else gotta stay because they're too important too important exactly Yep. So, I mean, I think that's a, you know, a pretty good summary slash recap of what we've gone through, things we learned and kind of where we're going, you know, this this year and throughout the rest of the year. So, I mean, we're just really excited about all the things that are coming next. Um, So if you're again, if you're not following us on Twitter, please make sure you do that at Nostalgia Mix Pod. So that way you can keep up with everything that we've got coming down the pipeline. Um, And it's cool to be back during the summer and to be recording and stuff like for me. Summertime is the time where I kind of get to semi-slow down a bit because, you know, kids aren't in school, so I don't have to cart them around to stuff. And um, things just tend to be a little less busy. Um, I think, I feel like you've always got a lot going on. Me. Because of working at the movies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. definitely, like, is about to be. Well, so here's the thing. Like, some of the bigger movies have come out already. Like, John Wick is out, Endgame is out, Dark Phoenix is out. So I don't really know what huge things coming out this summer um spidey I right mean, far from home is going to be big but it's not going to be end game big obviously right um so i don't really know what's happening we are doing like these kid shows now where it's like we show an older kids movie for a dollar in the morning those are the worst because uh, everybody knows that i don't like massive <laughs> amounts of kids <laughs> and neither do i right one or two, like <laughs> Genesis and Adrian. I love them. My best friend's kid, Emery. I love him too. All of like my friends' kids are awesome. Everybody else's kids can go. Um, no offense, everybody, but my friends' kids are awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, anytime you get a mass amount of kids in like a public place like that, amped up on juice and popcorn or whatever mm-hmm. they're amped up on, just air. I mean, for kids, that's all they really need to be excited Being about a bunch of nothing. Everybody yeah, needs to go to bed. Everybody go take a nap. Um, so yeah it's about to get busier plus you know I'm you know I'm kind of taking the momentum of this show into you know doing some more creative pursuits hopefully will come about summer fall um, also trying to find a new job I don't really want to work at a movie theater anymore Um, but yeah it's going to be I'll definitely say it's going to be a busy summer we're thinking about I got to go see the Backstreet Boys in August um Mm-hmm. there's a couple other artists Lizzo and Banks are going to be in Charlotte like the same weekend which I'm super excited about um, and Ooh. D23 is like the big thing that I really would love to go to if you don't know what D23 is it's the big conference convention thing that Disney does every two years in Anaheim 
um, and they do, it's kind of like a Comic-Con a little bit, um, but they do some, I think they're doing like a Disney Villains presentation at some point. Um, they kick it off with the Disney Legends Award, where they give a bunch of, like, ten different people the Disney Legend honor, um, and two of the, three of the people that are getting it, one is Bette Midler, which, to be in the same room with Bette Midler, like, who wouldn't? Um, Ming-Na Wen, who is, if you don't know who she is, she's the voice of Mulan in the movie. She's also on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now, kicking ass and taking names. Um, excuse my language. Um, and RDJ is getting the award this year, because obviously, like, he's the man. Um, and I think it's a great time, because, you know, Disney Plus is coming out at the end of the year, so they're probably going to have some presentations about the shows, particularly the Disney Marvel shows, which I'm really excited about, like the Loki and Bucky and Sam shows. Yeah. Um, the Mandalorian I'm really excited about, because it's Pedro Pascal, and who doesn't want Pedro Pascal? Also from Game of Thrones, tie into the earlier parts of the show. Um, and just Disney Plus and more Marvel movies and whatever is coming next and Star Wars and just all those things. So I, I'm really, I'd really love to do that. Uh, I think that's a big project. I think we might all go, which is weird. Typically, my mom and my sister will go off on a trip or I'll go on trips by myself. But I think we're trying to get it to a point where all three of us go. That um, would be so much fun. So I, yeah. Oh, I hope y'all guys get a chance yeah. to do that. That'd be super fun, be, right? My sister doesn't like RDJ, but I'm 1000% here for it. And see, what I'm hoping is that the person that gives him the award is Chris Evans, so I can be in the same room with Chris Evans. That's just me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> You you and your Chris Evans thing don't don't get in trouble while you're I out there. Zero promises. <laughs> zero promises when it comes to Chris Evans. It, all bets are off. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see. What am I doing this summer? Well, like I said, next week I'm going on vacation, just kind of chilling mm-hmm. and stuff. But as far as like nostalgic based things to kind of tie it back in with the with our theme of the podcast here um at the end of the summer i am going to dragon con which is probably my favorite way to really cap off the end of the summer because it's like it's labor day weekend it's right before like my kids because in virginia kids don't go back to school until after labor day here um so it's my way to kind of spend the last few days of the summer just kind of doing something that i really want to do um so i'm going to dragon con this year because freema adjaman and david Tennant are going to be there I've never mm-hmm. known. And so, so they're going to be there. And I am super, super excited because as you guys know, I'm a massive Doctor Who fan. Like I love Freema and David and other things, mm-hmm. but like, that's kind of like the core reason why I'm going. And the reason, the main reason why they're kind of going to be paired there together is because they were a duo on Doctor Who. He was the doctor. She was his companion in the late 2000s. Um, and so I can't wait to go. Freema has been at the top of my gotta meet want to meet at a convention got to take a picture with like got to get the autograph got to get all that stuff I really haven't felt that way about anyone else like I've done a couple of photo ops here and there but like with her I want it all like I want to be at the panels that she's at like I want to get something autographed I have a really beautiful 
um, pencil sketch that I actually have framed above my computer desk of her as uh, as Martha Jones and the artist signed it for me and stuff. And so I'm thinking about taking that out of the frame um, and taking it down there with me so that way she can sign uh, it as yes, well. Do that. How would you not? Yeah. So and then I definitely got to do the photo op because I cosplay and the first character that I really that I ever got a chance to cosplay at a convention like I've done some some smaller cosplays and stuff for like meetups mm-hmm. and stuff but the first time I actually went to a big convention and cosplayed I cosplayed as Martha Jones so I, I love that character it means so much to me Doctor Who means so much to me as a show and so I just I'm super excited and I can't wait like it's the perfect way for me to be able to end my summer she really has just kind of gotten back into the convention mm-hmm. circuit um I feel like it's for a few reasons that I don't really want to get into because they're things that make me upset mm-hmm. but I'm so glad that she's kind of back in the saddle and kind of doing some things and I'm hoping that it'll maybe lead to her doing like some big finish audios and stuff because maybe she's kind of back into that world in that in that frame right. of mind um so that's gonna be cool uh i'm probably gonna spend a lot of time listening to music this summer i have really been on an 80s wave mm-hmm. lately and it's probably because of pose yeah. um you know I, I went back and like rewatched season one and it just kind of put me in the mood and they've got their official playlist on spotify and so i've been letting that play while i'm working that out or cleaning, or cleaning around the house them, by the way to have spotify playlist. Uh, oh my god yes and that playlist is of hitting too is. like so good they need they How, need to go back who, and do who is getting all the clearances for all of these songs like they are they were getting some stuff yeah. in there when they when when in season one when they had kate bush running up that hill being like kind of angel and uh what's the guy's name i don't like him so i think i forgot his name on purpose the guy that she was with in season one oh, yeah they got stan i guess i call him quicksilver because that's who he is in the x-men movie <laughs> Yeah, well, either way, that was their song, and I love Kate Bush. So, I mean, them kind of pulling out some of those more obscure, mm-hmm. you know, lesser-loved artists and everything like that. And I'll probably be talking about Kate Bush later this they season. They um, one of my favorite moments when it comes to, like, music in that show last season when, uh, I think it was towards the end. It was either towards mm-hmm. the end or one of the scenes where Angel is in, like, the strip club peep show thing um it was towards the end of the season and they used a uh, private dancer by tina turner while she was there yes. and so well placed so well like. placed and like it looked like it was a music video like if you took it out of the tv show and put it on youtube it would be the music video for tiny dancer like um for private right. dancer like it fit so well in that scene and that song just fit angel perfectly like at that point in time you know so good so good it is it's so good so i mean yeah pose is definitely going to be a part of uh both of our i guess nostalgia based summer things that we're doing or whatever and then stranger things is coming back as well for season Mm -hmm. three and i think season three is set in 85 I think they're in like 85 now. They've been moving along pretty good or whatever. I'm kind of bumping it up a year each time. So I'm excited about that. I'll probably be doing some coverage for it with Bustle. Um, I'll probably have a couple of opinion pieces and stuff out there. So I'm excited to not just write Mm -hmm. about it, but um, to also get a chance to see it. I'm really, really hoping, fingers crossed, that I'll maybe be able to get a screener and watch it early. Um, But if I do, then nobody will really know because what part of getting screeners is keeping your big mouth shut. So 
But either way, if I can see it sooner rather than later, and that drops like right on 4th of July weekend, which is perfect. Um, I don't know how much time I really have to watch it that weekend, though, if I do have to watch it on time because we're having a family reunion. Um, so I'm going to my family reunion and that's it's my dad's side of the family whom I just I just absolutely adore pretty much everybody on that side. So I can't wait to do that. Um, there is a 90s bar crawl happening in my area next week, I think. Mm-hmm. And I may or may not try to head out to that and see. Um, I kind of feel like, again, and we've talked about this before, about the, and it's part of the reason why we even started the podcast in the first place, that stuff like that tends to be catered towards white mm-hmm. people. So I'm not sure if it's something I really want to participate in or not. Like, I feel like maybe it could possibly be fun. And I definitely have some 90s, like, wear here that I could pull out the closet Mm -hmm. right now and wear right out there. Um, Because I've done, like, a couple of recent, like, 90s parties and stuff like that. So I got some flannel shirts, you know, and all that jazz. Um, But... I don't know. We'll see. Like, that's one thing I want to see more of. And that's why I was so glad, like, when B2K did the Millennium Tour and Mm -hmm. a couple of other things like that, is that that's 90s and 2000s nostalgia stuff that's, like, geared towards us, you know? Like, most of that nostalgia stuff is geared towards predominantly white people. So maybe if there's, like, a black, and I think they're actually going to do, like, a throwback, like, there's a club here that sometimes they do throwback parties. And I think they're going to do, like, a 90s throwback party. Sometime in July. And so I might try to check that out. Hmm. That sounds like fun. But yeah, that's about it for me. I have a summer playlist um, that I'm working on. And once I get that all put together and stuff like that, I'm going to share it with you guys. It's all throwback summer hits that'll get you in the mood and ready for summer, which officially comes next week. Hmm. All right. Yep. But I mean, that's, that's about it for me. That's about all I'm going to be doing. And then, you know, we'll be doing the podcast and just kind of stay in the saddle and working hard to make season three, the best that we can for you. It's going to be good. So stay tuned. It is. So do you have anything else that you want to tell the people, share with the people, any other thoughts about podcasting or anything like that, that you want to share before we call it quits? I think I'm good. Me either, guys. So what do you guys think about our first year? How do you think we did? Um, Are there some topics and stuff that you're kind of like, oh, man, I really wish they had talked about them and that you want us to cover in the future? Are there some things that you maybe would like to see a little bit more on our Twitter pages? Is there something that you want us to watch and maybe talk about in a future episode? If you have anything 80s horror, I've probably seen it already, but I would love to watch it and talk about it again. And I'll definitely be talking some horror stuff later on this season. So if it's that, just hold on a bit and you'll get a chance for me to talk about a bunch of that stuff. If so, make sure you shoot us an email at nostalgiamixpod at gmail.com or make sure that you reach out to us at nostalgiamixpod on Twitter. Um, We will be glad to hear anything that you have for us, any suggestions, and we'll definitely take them into consideration. We will talk to the managers and we are the managers. So we'll have a conversation amongst ourselves and see if it's something that we'd love to squeeze in for you. And that's it. But that's it. So until next time, guys, you guys take care. Um, 
Enjoy the beginnings of your summer. Take care of yourself. If you have not checked out Pose yet, Pose season one is on Netflix. Um, please do go back and watch it. It's only eight episodes. I promise you that once you start watching stop. it, you won't be able to stop and you're going to binge through it before you know it. And then you guys will be on board because we want to try to see if we could do little mini recaps at the beginning of our following episodes to just kind of talk about it. And, you know, it's super dope because the season is going to be running concurrent with Pose's season two. So pretty much around the time that they're going to finish up is going to be right around the time that we finish up so you know it we it would behoove you to go and try to give that show a shot and you can fall in love with it and hopefully be able to have a little bit more interaction and conversation with us on that Mm -hmm. level um so take care watch pose be good to each other and we will see you guys next time